Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Doug Niebelsberger, Vice President of Marketing for Light Efficient Design. And, you know, we're going to talk about a letter that went out recently to the, uh, to the industry, an open letter, and, and his chairmanship of, the, um, of that committee uh, on NAILED. Go to NAILED.org. That's right. We're working it. We're the busiest little in association in lighting. But before we go there, we're going to talk a little bit about Light Efficient Design sister company. I don't know if it's a sister or a brother or what it is, but it's solera-solar.com, Greg Eric. Yeah, and, and just as a whole before, we're actually going to turn it over to Doug to talk, but before we get into that, Light Efficient Design has always been innovative and, and a company that I look to for new, unique products that no one else has. And then a lot of times they get copied and never as good as what Light Efficient Design does. And one of those is the... Uh, hybrid solar product that anytime I have any application where somebody needs solar, I go to Light Efficient Design. And Doug, tell us why we do that. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got our uh, brand of uh, solar lighting, Solera Solar Lighting. And it's uh, typically in the past, we've had all just off-grid products, which are fantastic problem solvers. You know, put light where you don't have any existing electricity today. You don't have to worry about trenching or anything expensive like that. Uh, but last summer, we launched a hybrid 365 for uh, for an area light, which is really cool. So it uh, uses solar technology and is primarily you know driven by the sun. However, it does wire into the grid uh, 120 through 277 uh, to guarantee 365 nights of light. So a uh, really cool product. Uh, just a few months ago, we got a DLC premium listed. Uh, so it is uh, incentivized uh, in util- by utilities that are uh, giving out uh, money for uh, for area lights and uh, yeah, just a really cool, innovative product. And we're coming out with some more in that uh, hybrid family uh, later this summer. So I'm really excited. It's awesome. I am too. So you got to go to yeah, just go right now. Go to led-llc.com. Go to solera-solar.com. That's S-O-L-E-R-A hyphen S-O-L-A-R.com. So Doug. Um, you were the chairman of the Nailed Vendor Committee for the promotion and advancement of Dark Skies, or the five principles of responsible after lighting. I can't remember the exact name. It was one of those two names. And yep. it all started, you're a board member. Back in September, I asked you to, you know, hey, can you run this for us? I'm not sure when it's going to happen, and kind of got pushed back, and we finally got to it around March. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, you, sh- you shook up the industry a little bit. Um, with that, I'm not kidding you, man. People read that letter. It got out there, and there were some big names on that letter, including the Tina Tina Halfbetty from the DLC. We had the IES on there, the National Lighting Bureau, uh, the, the UL, uh, CSA. Um, you know, just uh, so many people were on that letter, and you can check it out. It's on Innocent Reporter, Inside Lighting. Tell me how, you know, all that started and, and what it meant to you to be a p- part of that. Sure. So, uh, so yeah, so no, I, again, appreciate the opportunity, uh, that the, uh, the board gave me to, uh, to run the committee. Um, you know, really we, we view ourselves as a leader. We is, is nailed. Uh, it's been great being a part of the group, but, you know, we view ourselves as a leader in the industry and, um, dark sky is, you know, becoming more and more top of mind. Uh, and we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of the change that, uh, that happens over the next, uh, several years or decade or plus, um, there's a long, long way to go there. Um, but I really was happy with the uh, the headline that Ted Magazine picked up on it, which was 
you know, nailed rallies the industry. You know, this is really needs to be a, a collaborative effort. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Michael, we uh, we addressed the open letter to several you know key and important organizations throughout the industry. Um, and really, we need we need help. You know, we're as you mentioned, uh, you know, a pretty small organization, small but mighty uh, organization, uh, and we you know we can't do it all ourselves. But uh, you know, our hope is that the open letter you know puts out there that you know we want to do our part and help, uh, but also you know again rallying you know the troops uh, to come together to to aid us uh, with resources. Um, and just, you know, uh, opinions, ideas, you know, let's, let's keep, you know, collaborating and figure out how do we, uh, you know, increase the adoption at a quicker rate than it is currently. And people can read the letter and find this out, but we're here to talk about it. So who was on the committee? What did you guys, and what did that entail? Yep. So it was actually a pretty neat, uh, opportunity to work with some of, uh, some of my, uh, competitor, uh, friends, as I like to call them. Uh, but we had, uh, we had people from, you know, some, some big names like Satco and Rab. And, uh, we had, uh, somebody from TCP, a couple guys from Keystone, uh, Devin from Louvers International, and then somebody else from, uh, from Light Efficient Design, our chief innovation officer. Uh, so we, you know, got the, got the group together initially, and these are all, uh, vendor, uh, members of Nailed. Uh, but, you know, super fortunate to be able to work with people from those companies and, and some of those guys. I mean, they've been doing this thing for, for decades. Uh, so the, the amount of experience and knowledge that they brought to the committee was, um, admirable. I mean, I was super fortunate to be able to pull from, you know, those type of resources. So, uh, but, you know, it didn't stop there. Uh, we were able to get, uh, James, uh, Bania. Uh, involved as a, you know, he's got his own consulting agency these days, but he's been in the industry a, a long, long time. You know, some of the things that I think people might know him for are Title 20 and Title 24, uh, some codes that he uh, helps write out in California. Um, and I mean, he was a, a wealth of information uh, and knowledge. And, you know, it was so fun just to be able to pick his brain and get his his insights um, on the on the whole thing. So it was just a really great collective effort, you know, uh, with competitors, but also with somebody like James that's been, you know, doing this for for decades. You know, and, and James was the honorary chairman just before. I know, Greg, you got something for Doug, but also Devin Wall from Louvers was on the panel as well. We don't want to forget Devin. Yep. You know, and no, he, Devin's my guy. He's uh, he's uh, he's local yeah. here with me in uh, Chicago too. So, yeah, great guy. Yep. He, he didn't say Devin for the record. I heard him say that. Devin oh, did you? Louvers. Oh, okay. I just want to make yes. sure. I didn't hear Louvers, <laughs> yeah. so I want to make sure they got Double a shout out. Thanks, Greg. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. How did the format go? Then, what did you guys do? Was it like a roundtable discussion? Did you throw out questions? How did you go about figuring out? Yeah. So, uh, so I was kind of. Uh, the quarterback of, of it, um, you know, kind of the facilitator and, um, but yeah, it was more of a round table discussion. You know, we, you know, wasn't, uh, you know, super, super formal in that nature, but, you know, I had a list of, of things that I wanted to make sure that we touched on, you know, including, you know, every single uh, one of the five uh, principles of uh, responsible outdoor lighting. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a nice, it was more of like a conversation, you know, and, and, you know, talking about, okay, you know, what are some, some challenges that we face and what are some ideas to, you know, overcome those challenges, which I think is, you know, key in any type of conversation where we're trying to, you know, move the, move the needle and move forward. So. So just, just to start, um, uh, into it here, the, the key points that you came out with, the first one is, uh, let's talk about each one. Um, Education should sure. be simple, easily accessible, and segmented into products that are suitable for
for various consumer types, from the general public and typical lighting distributors to those who work in sensitive locations in, like the U.S. National Parks. It should include but not be limited to infographics, real-world examples, and concise presentation. So you, the first point you guys came out with is that no, more education um, was necessary. Was that one of the sure. unanimous things? And tell us a little bit about you know how that one came about to be one of the key takeaways. Yep. Yeah. No. I think the entire uh, committee agreed with uh, education. You know, uh, certainly uh, uh, Dark Sky. You know, puts out some great some great material, some great research. Um, the internet is a wonderful place to find uh, information, but uh, you know, a lot of times you'll find things that are very one-sided. Um, so, you know, you might find some things about, you know, how dark sky impacts wildlife and, and things of that nature, but doesn't focus on the human elements of it, which is another part, one of the five uh, things that we had uh, called attention to. But, um, but I think, you know, again, this collaborative effort between, you know, different organizations, us nailed with dark sky, um, you know, with maybe the folks from, from DLC, but trying to really pool pool these these facts uh, together and and just making sure that we're educating people throughout the channel um, you know which starts you know with us at the top as manufacturers but we've got you know our, our rep partners out there we've got distributor partners contractors escos end users um, utilities I mean there's so many different people that uh, you know could use the information um, you know more like I said access it more easily but also let's tell you know let's make sure we're telling you know all sides of the story here uh, with the implications of what dark sky or the lack of dark sky uh, could have the the next one Greg um, which I thought was you know maybe I don't, if all if it, if there's a controversial point on the list, you know, mm -hmm. if you t if that maybe this is why Jane Slade's not here today. <laughs> um, I know she's very passionate about this, but focus the education primarily on human benefits, with specific reference to the adverse effects of high color temperature white light at night. You know, and a lot of times you don't when you search for you know darkness or dark skies, you get a lot of wildlife, you get a lot of fish, you get a lot of whales, but you guys were saying, you know what, that's that's get this thing focused on humans was that unanimous and second of all um how did it come about sure i you know uh because it is maybe one of the more controversial points of it i, I won't say that it was uh unanimous um but it was it was a popular opinion um from from the committee uh that we you know we need to focus you know more you know there, there are certainly implications of it but when you look at a lot of the research out there and you know i won't you know try to you know say that i've you know spent weeks and months you know researching the topic i'm still you know continuously learning um about dark sky and all of the, the effects but but so much of it is really focused on on what you had just said michael about you know wildlife and you know uh you know because i know one of the big focuses is like national parks and stuff and you know totally makes sense to have a lot of these dark sky principles implemented for for those areas uh but then you know if we're talking about you know whether it's you know parking lots or just you know street lighting you know in a neighborhood um you know there isn't a lot of wildlife in those areas necessarily there you know certainly is some but not at the discretion that there would be at a national park so um, would love to, you know, to see more research showing, you know, how, how it impacts, you know, people's behavior. Um, you know, and I, you know, I don't know enough, you know, to say, you know, kind of like the circadian rhythm, you know, that people are doing for, for indoor fixtures, you know, with, uh, you know, the lighting kind of following, you know, the, the sunlight throughout the day. But, 
you know, I think there's got to be some kind of, you know, marriage between the two uh, concepts um, and would love to, you know, see more, you know, research done on, on that. You know, I, I, I think, Greg, he's talking about really moving the needle because, you know, a lot of the, the people don't care that much about birds. I, I hate to say that. You know what I mean? They care about turtles. I mean, turtles seem to get a lot of play. You know, they don't want the turtles swimming the wrong way. You know, it's called, mm-hmm. don't go over. No, it's so sad when they go to the parking lot instead of the, because they think the LED lights the moon and they go the wrong way or right. whatever, you know, but I, when I, when I think about it, you know, moving the needle, those like, the, oh, we're going to turn off the lights for the bird migration. Oh, we got dark skies done. You know, it like that people feel like, oh yeah, the, uh, the great hornet grouse has now passed over Portland <laughs> And it's not, you know, it's not going the wrong way. People go, hey, that's great. They like it on Facebook or whatever, but it doesn't move the needle, you know. And I, I, I totally thought that was such a wonderful thing to come out of it and a bit controversial because the wildlife folks, how dare you? You know, this is, uh, you know, wildlife is just as important as human life. And it's like, well, we're talking about things people want to buy, you know. And, and it, who's the decision maker? Unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's human, not the birds. So. <laughs> yeah. Do the birds have the money? I, they unfortunately <laughs> don't have the money. <laughs> and you'll move uh, the yeah. leader a lot faster. Like if people became aware, like if the general public became aware that actually the utility doesn't have a right to shine the light on your property. And if it's sure. going in your window, that's a light trespass and it causes human health problems. And the flicker, that's another one that nobody knows about. A lot of those LED lights, the early ones are flickering. So, yeah, I think that was such a great point to come out of the, out of the committee. So I'm glad yeah. that, you know, it was, not, yeah, even if it wasn't unanimous. Hey, hey, no, and, and to be fair, I mean, I think we kind of, you know, we won't jump ahead, but I think once we get to, you know, uh, number, number four or five, uh, actually number five with, you know, the tiered system and yeah. kind of treating different uh, applications uh, differently because they, you know, again, like I said, you know, National parks, you know, have a, a boatload of uh, wildlife and, you know, should probably handle that in a certain way. And then when you're looking at neighborhoods, um, you know, treat those as such. Yeah. So let's just go right into that point because um, right. <laughs> no, it was funny because when, when he came back from Jim, he unnumbered them, which was such a was actually like a very it seemed very nuanced <laughs> and small. But it, I, 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 I said, why did you unnumber them? And, you know, uh, it's because they're all important, actually. And there's no there's no heaviness sure. to each of them so um help develop a tiered system now remember this is addressed to the ida and the ies and the nlb and the ul and all those uh, etl help develop a tiered system addressing the application zone and the purpose of light of the light fixtures so now you're saying pr- from prison yards to national parks there you know all of these applications should be able to participate in mm-hmm. Um, a dark sky friendly tier, if possible. A prison yard's sure. never going to get there, like a national park is going to get there. But we still want to be able to design for that, especially with the emergence of low Kelvin temperature, high color rendering LEDs. You know, mm-hmm. uh, things like that change the game. Um, was that? I, I'm assuming that's a unanimous one with the, with the panel yeah yeah and i would yeah and i would say honestly we kind of took a little bit of a page out of dlc's playbook um you know obviously you know we're not trying to you know create a thousand you know categories but you know having a good uh good subset you know of uh different types of applications and you know dlc does it depending on the type of uh products today 
um, you know, whether it's outdoor or indoor, uh, but there's different categories within, within DLC and each of them have, you know, different, different requirements. Even, you know, you see that with the new 5.1 that's coming out, uh, I guess now a, a year from now, which is kind of helpful, give us a little bit more, more time to, uh, to address our products and get them up to speed. So, um, and Greg, that's something that a lighting professional could sell on, right? So, oh, for sure. You know, the, you have these, like, when, when things are tiered or, like, instead of, like, dark sky or not dark sky, you have best practices for prison yards. You have best practices for street lighting. It's such an obvious way to do it. Um, yeah, you could do, like, a, a guideline or whatever. Like, you know, IES has done that kind of thing before, but just saying, here's how you do it in this application, and I think that'd be great. This is an yeah, interesting... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm a big size or big fan of uh, one size doesn't you know fit all. Right. Uh, and you, know, you just gotta treat you know things you know how, differently and and cater cater to each. So that's just last point to add there. Um. Okay. Uh, this was an interesting one too. Um, work together. So that's a, that's that rally, right? You yeah. know. Um. Nailed would see, and you know, the manufacturers in Yale would, would see themselves under the umbrella, in this case, of the IDA and the IES, and that you know we're not we're not capable of setting up the, the kinds of um, best committees that would you know do this kind of thing, but I really really love this one, work together on a campaign, confronting woo the misconceptions surrounding the balance between electric light at night, natural darkness, and safety. Was that unanimous or what? What happened with that one? Uh, I would say it came together. And, you know, a lot of this okay. stuff was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, my takeaways from what the group was saying, um, you know, reviewing, you know, our, our meeting minutes and everything. And uh, and I thought, you know, and again, kind of coming back to, you know, with some of these studies being more focused on one side versus the other. But, you know, there aren't many studies that, you know, talk about all three of these, you know, all, all in once. And I think, you know, it's a, each one of them is individually important, but, you know, at the same time, they all are, you know, they all collide and, uh, you know, need to be, you know, um, thought of, you know, together. So, you know, again, that's one of those where we want to work with people, you know, that can help us, you know, uh, uncover and peel back a little bit and understand, you know, uh, how these three, you know, work together and what is, you know, the perfect balance or as close to perfect as, as we can get. So when I look at that, that one, you start to look, you start to think, oh, okay, uh, Greg, lighting has um, an axiomatic presupposition. How do you like that one? Start over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. An assumption. Okay. <laughs> uh, but an axiom, an axiom is something that you start from and you assume is true. So is a, an axiomatic, saying axiomatic presupposition is like a, I want to sound smart but I work at the Department of Redundancy Department. They're kind of the same thing, a presupposition and an axiom. But anyway, so um, what it is, it's a starting place. And the lighting industry seems to have this starting place that is evidenced by the fact there's no maximum light levels, okay? And the axiom is that outdoor electric light at whatever level it's at is as highest level as you can afford energy-wise increases safety and th this plays itself out in courts and court orders and insurance cases and everything else so all the studies you're talking about doug start off with the presupposition 
that the more outdoor light you have, the higher the uniformity, the higher the Kelvin temperature, the more safe everything is. And so what came up on Starting for Darkness when we were discussing this, Greg, was that why don't you invert that presupposition and see if you can prove it? Instead of starting with the idea that that's just for sure true, why not invert it? See if high Kelvin temperature and, and um, high uniformity, high glare, high brightness, high light levels actually decrease human safety. And see if you can prove that. Never been done. I guarantee you. Just even the flipping the hypothesis on its head. And so that came from, to me, directly from the open letter. When I saw that point and I brought it up on the show, so it even impacted me. I'm, a, I'm the co-host of the Starving for Darkness podcast. <laughs> so um, help develop, this is a good one, and it's our last one we're going to discuss. Um, help develop an ROI calculator that factors misused or wasted outdoor electric light. What a wonderful gift that would be, actually. Yep, yep. We're gonna need some help on developing that, mm -hmm. but I think uh, I think it's important. You know, everybody you know has got either their you know simple ROI calculator, you know, that plugs in the you know the key the key factors. But you know, if you're overlighting an area, you know, we could dial down the the consumption uh, that we're using. Uh, we can control it. You know, obviously that's one of the five principles but yeah there's a lot of stuff that we could do if we you know really looked at you know the amount of wasted light that we're using per you know whether it's per fixture per fixture or per you know entire the entire project and greg you know what's interesting about that is that or interesting about what you guys came up with is that it occurred to me greg that the entire outdoor lighting infrastructure in the united states is now back in play <laughs> we're able to do this. Like people, oh, people yeah. have a negative attitude in the industry, Greg. But if they actually mm -hmm. read the letter and took it seriously, you lean back and you say, you know, Greg, Eric, it's time to start over. Every exterior lighting project you've done needs to start over. In a way, that's what it comes down to, right? Yep. I mean, but for the, you know, good for a business standpoint, but also for everything else you guys are talking about. And, and I think that's a key with what I took out of this too, is that, you know, right now it's so stringent in a way it's it's either dark sky or it's not. You know, you need to have some room to get to that level where we can get, you know, the, the strict guidelines. But we need we need some leeway in there, right? We need some action so that we can get to that point or work towards that point. And I think that's mm -hmm. what this is really outlined to me. Yeah, I think it was uh, just through, uh, you know, our uh, lighting news brief publication uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a... Uh, a smaller uh, town outside San Diego that became the 30th dark sky compliant city in the, the country. And then, uh, you know, I, so now I've been, you know, just kind of Googling that every, every week or so. And now we're at number 32. Uh, there's a town uh, in, uh, in Colorado, I think West end. Um, but anyways, but 32. So, you know, it's like, all right, we're making some progress, but uh, you know, my friend Google went to that, uh, just under 20,000 cities in the country. Uh, so we're, you know, far away, away from 1%, you know, even conversion, but, uh, but you know, it's, again, it's being talked about more. I think maybe one of the more notable, uh, cities that's trying to go dark sky is park city, Utah, big, uh, big tourist, uh, ski, ski town. Uh, so, um, you know, at least for me, that's one of the more notable names that I've seen, you know, uh, making the push to go to dark sky. So I think they have a plan to get there in the next uh, five years. So they're, you know, not understanding that's not going to happen overnight. 
but you know, given direction that this is something they're going to do in the next five years, which seems uh, quite reasonable. Now, as a panel of or committee of manufacturers, uh, did you guys discuss the implications that something like this could have on your product development, on you know the cost that it's going to take on your end to accomplish this? Yeah, yeah, sure. We talked about it, you know, at a at a high level. Um, you know, I, you know, we we provide a lot of 4K and 5K outdoor fixtures, and you know, that's what our customers are, you know, looking looking to order um, from us. Uh, you know, and I I think I mentioned it in in our letter, but um, you know, I think it holds true for the other manufacturers on the committee, but definitely for light efficient design. That I mean, most of our product development comes from customer feedback. And just, you know, listening to them and, you know, uh, you know, hearing pain points that they're having with today's products, whether it's ours or somebody else's and and, you know, advancing the product and, you know, innovating to, you know, solve those issues. Um, but, you know, we aren't hearing a ton of it. You know, we're hearing maybe some more 3000 K, which does fall in the dark sky category. Um, I'm a bit more uh, familiar uh, with, you know, like Arizona and Southern California, just due to some rep relationships there. But, uh, you know, we, we sell a lot more 3000K in those markets because, you know, uh, they haven't necessarily, you know, gone dark sky compliant, but they're trying to, you know, bridge the gap there. And, you know, doing things like 3000K, uh, you know, helps helps get them there and, you know, helps helps with the dark sky initiative. So the uh, line is the challenge we face is that the current demand for products congruent with the five principles is low. <laughs> it will take the cooperation of the entire industry from product innovation through installation to change direction. That's a pretty powerful statement, man. And it's, uh, that, it's a rally call, man. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think... I was just gonna say, I mean, you know, some of the, some big names in that committee, uh, you know, with with uh, uh, with myself as well. But um, you know, I mean, if there was a ton of customer demand, I mean, you know, we we would be silly not to just you know make that product. But it's not it's not there today. We we certainly hope that it goes uh, in that direction. But that's kind of what this whole you know open letter is to do is you know bring some more awareness and work together with the other key allies in the industry to make that you know a reality. Two more things that I have just from the conversation here that I didn't see, that I didn't think in the letter, but are you have to see like a letter like this is not a finalized of anything. It's just part of taking the flywheel and stopping it from spinning in one direction and then trying to get it to go in the other direction. We're still trying to stop the flywheel from spinning in the wrong direction, right? We haven't even started to try to kind of, okay, now how do we pull it in? And I got a little point on that at the end, which I think you're going you're gonna to like, Doug, but... Controls. Um, was there much talk of controls uh, on the panel? And not, but there wasn't a final point that came out of it. Yeah, it was actually something that I was kind of, as I was, you know, leading the discussion or, or navigating us through this was, uh, you know, just kind of splitting it between, you know, retrofitting projects versus new construction. Um, you know, I think we see in new construction a lot more controls being implemented. But when you're doing retrofitting, you know, it, it a lot of times comes down to, you know, are there incentives, uh, you know, in certain uh, areas, utilities, you know, throw an extra incentive, you know, on uh, on top of the fixture incentive if you add a control to it. And then obviously if that helps the overall payback uh, and brings down the ROI on the project, you know, it's going to happen more, more frequently. But, um, but, you know, the control adoption for, for retrofitting, you know, still remains, you know, in, in my eyes, kind of, kind of low. And again, that's a more on retrofitting versus, you know, new construction, new build and everything like that. You know, 
I, I brought this up a couple times with Greg and then asked a couple questions. By the way, you know who could do the IOR or ROI calculator, Greg? Ian uh, Yeah, the guy, Ian Ashton, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he could do it. Um, so maybe we're going to talk to him a little bit later after the show. <laughs> I like but, it. <laughs> but, so you know when you're you're trying to get something done, you, you, we're all businessmen, right? So you're trying to get something done and you're trying to focus the troops. You're trying to, you're trying to say, okay, here's what you need to know. Right in the German army, they call it all frogs tactic, which means like here's the end goal. That's why the German army in World War One. Uh, I hate to say it, but the German army from say in 1809 to 1945 was probably the greatest general staff in the history of armies, maybe Romans or something like that. But they were incredible, and they had this something where they instead of telling people what to do, they just told them what the end goal was. And so then officers in the field, lieutenants and um, captains and sergeants would just work toward that end goal without any clear direction of how to accomplish it. Okay. And so that was a very powerful force. Um, It was invented by Napoleon, but the Prussians studied Napoleon and stole it from him. The French forgot it and the Germans remembered it and the rest is history. So, um, but they used that. And, and became very powerful. Their army became very quick and fast and was able to get things done. And so when we look at this, what is the one thing? And I know what it is. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure if it's right. That's, and I'm going to ask you guys. If we said to the, if the lighting industry came out and said, okay, forget about, you know, and this happens, this confusion happens with, say, human-centric lighting, right? With tuning and circadian. People kind of mix tuning and circadian together, and they're actually not the same thing. While tuning is a part of circadian, tuning has a whole bunch of applications that stand alone. And so people get confused, and they don't know what they're actually doing. Am I With circadian, am I giving them choice, or am I telling them what to do? Because you understand what I mean? It gets confusing. If the lighting industry, if an IES committee was on dark skies or darkness came out and said, okay... The goal of the lighting industry for outdoor electric light at night is to restore natural darkness as much as possible. End. Full stop. I think you would solve the energy problem. You'd solve the wasted night at light at night problem. You could build incentives around that. Like if that was the only goal that the that the, that the, there's nothing else you need to do except restore natural darkness wherever whenever you can and and that's the goal of the industry for outdoor electric light does it solve the control issue does it solve the light pollute light trespass all i think it solves all the problems the energy problems the wasted light problems the wildlife problems the human the human health problems the flicker problems everything i am i crazy i just like it occurred to me i'm like that that has to be the answer Simple, to, simple goal. I, I like yeah. it. I like it. I mean, I don't know if everybody else is going to like it, but I think that's where we're trying to go, though, honestly. Uh, but, you know, we, we do need some parameters to work towards. And I think that's where, uh, you know, not maybe the miss, you know, whatever you want to call it, but for manufacturers is, you know, we're, you know, kind of need some parameters to, to follow here. And I think that's where like that tiered system and, hmm. you know, what's required, you know, that's something that we can, you know, work towards. So, right. that so what you have with the prison yard is you have 
you're here, you're going to restore natural darkness as much as you possibly can. Okay, because we don't have, we can't have people escaping. But if that's what we're trying to achieve, it changes the mindset to can we turn these lights off? Can we control them better? Can we dim them? Can we have occupancy sensors so that senses movement and you know this kind of thing? I think it, it's like a, it's a guiding principle. You know, your friend on the board, Brian Amundsen, Doug has a big task. You know what his the name of his committee is? I have a I have a good feeling, but uh, why don't you tell us? <laughs> the uh, five sales tactics of responsible outdoor lighting. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah. So I he's like gonna. That. Yeah, he's got to come up with. Uh, well, we don't, hopefully, you know, they are able to think it through. He has some experience. Um, sure. With uh, First Nations people and and uh, some coastal areas of Oregon where he, where he lives and works, that okay. he um, has can bring to the table, and so. Yeah, I'm excited to see if we can balance the responsibilities with some some savvy moves, Greg Eric. We're taking the right steps. We just got to continue on with it. All right. Any final thoughts, Doug? Uh, I would just say again, you know, we want to work together with those that we addressed the letter to. It's you know, uh, again, I love the tagline that Ted picked up or, or put in for us, which was you know, rallying the industry. So uh, we're trying to do it, and we're just trying to see who who wants to join us uh in in the journey to get there so um looking forward to working with anybody that's willing to help and uh you know we we have an opportunity to really make a key a key impact on the industry and even outside the industry you know the communities that we all live in so um you know as i've gotten more uh knowledgeable on the topic and you know we talk about it more uh the more you know kind of resonates resonates and you know is is you know just thinking about where where we live where our families live and um, and the need that we need to need to make some changes uh, soon, sooner than later. So, Greg, you got to go right now to solera-solar.com. That's S O L E R A dash oh S O L E R A dash S O L A R dot com. That's harder to say than you think, buddy. You reverse solar-solar.com. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And led-llc.com for light-efficient design. Um, Doug, why don't, you, why don't you take it home here with um, some products you want to tell the people about? Sure. Um, we will uh, we'll go back to, uh, to our Solera solar family since we're on the topic and we're talking about outdoor lighting today. Uh, but be on the lookout for our new hybrid wall pack. Uh, so that will... Uh, you know, be powered by the sun, but uh, have uh, that ability to tap into the grid for that guaranteed 365 nights of light. Um, we are working on uh, coming out with that in three, four, five thousand Kelvin, not three separate units, but one individual unit that has that flexible color adjustment. So um, I hope to uh, help develop a uh, dark sky friendly, uh, you know, hybrid wall pack at some point, too. You know, maybe make it 2,200, 2,700, 3,000 K. We'll uh, we'll see what we can come up with. But you know, appreciate the uh, opportunity, guys. Oh, no, it's our pleasure, man. And thank you for volunteering for that and serving the board of the smallest, biggest, toughest, mightiest association in the lighting industry. That's the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, of course. Light Efficient Design Proud members. Michael Colligan and I both distributors. And uh, before we let you go, uh, we're going to say goodbye. That's it. I love you guys. All you, all my peers out there that listen to this show, go to nail.org. If you haven't joined now, we might not let you in. You know, we've had enough of the BS with Maybe. you guys out there. Maybe. Ah, come on. Nail.org. Check it out. LS Evolve. 
LS1. I just registered three people today in LS1. We're gonna hit. They're gonna be hitting LS Evolve super hard soon. All manner of dark sky education coming hot into that. Plus, you got tuning. You got Dr. Mark Ray, Dr. Andrea Wilkerson, John Dava, blah blah blah. Fred Van Lee. Oh, man, we got everybody cooking in there. So get in there ASAP. LS Evolve is just for nailed members. Thanks for listening.